0: And welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys. <laughs> and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What cool Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts where we're not going to review everything that happens on Monday Night uh, but also SmackDown, NXT 2.0, we've got my AW Rampage pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course. On chat as I said, joined by Sidgwick and Hanflet. Hanflet, first of all, how are you, mate? And how good is it to be back and talking about Raw?
2: <laughs> I mean, those are two very different questions, aren't they? Uh, I'm doing much better. Thank you very much. Um, look, I've done this on Twitter, but I'd just like to reiterate my thanks to everybody that listened to this, or even some that might not. Um, lo- loads of people reached out. You know, you guys did. Everyone was checking in. It was a very challenging period. A number of family emergencies all at once. And it's not been very easy, but the kindness of others in our little community is real. And I'm grateful it exists from our listeners. Um, like, all oh, that's that, <laughs> like, Apart from Ratman, he's a, just a living nightmare. All of that is to say that, like, I'm grateful for all of those people and all of those messages. I'm grateful to have, like, my favorite form of escapism back tomorrow with NXT 2.0 because this show, <laughs> to answer the second part of your question, was terrible. It was just terrible. We were speaking just before we came on the record. Now, I, I want to reiterate this point now because there's no other point during the show that it particularly warrants a mention. I have not been able to watch much wrestling. Like, honestly, just cherry picking the absolute best bits of the chances I've had. And WWE has not factored very high up in that list. But I thought, well, finally, the recaps will have a benefit. Finally, the endless recapping of the things that we've seen just now or things from one week ago or various things like that will be so helpful. And this raw will fly by like others without me having to skip, 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 skip. skip. It turns out that the recaps are just as useless because nothing happens, nothing occurs. Yes, I've missed weeks and weeks and weeks of building to this crown jewel card that, you know, ignoring the politics looks interesting. There's loads of stuff on it, but there has been zero angle advancement. There has been zero story development. Yes, these matches are happening, And yes, there's been like a tournament, for example. But the things I saw recapped were the characters doing identical things that they were doing in the weeks before I missed. The draft was what I said to you was the only thing that I cannot get my head around. I do not know what this roster looks like. I I don't know because I missed it happening. And then I've not really had a chance to catch up yet. And they put that graphic up of next week's season um, opener or whatever it is. And I couldn't tell if those people were special attractions or not. Nothing Nothing happens in WWE. Nothing happened on this Raw. And I immediately feel like the last three weeks haven't happened. This is a dreadful way to prep me for a show that I should have should have been like super hyped for, all for, oh, again, ethics aside, for a card that looks half decent on paper, should have been super hyped for. I might as well have just watched the Raw from three weeks back. Sid, we reviewed three wrestling shows yesterday
0: and previewed another. And I felt more tired by the end of this show than I did on Sunday night, watching Smackdown, Rampage, and then Dynamite back to
1: back to back. It's just dreadful for the same reasons we always call it dreadful, this goddamn show. Like, what a waste of my goddamn time. How do people watch this? How on earth do people watch this? Um, I've, I liked it when I was little. Well, I liked turtle toys. I don't play with them anymore. Well, so why do we just... Well, what? The turtle oh, up, um, I played with teenage mutant ninja turtles toys when I was six years old. I don't play with them anymore because I'm thirty-six years old, and it's
2: exactly the same thing with this garbage content. This reminds me. Actually, I just I want to say this now because I'm never going to get another chance to. Did, did either of you two find there was like major uh, Toxic Turtles energy radiating from FTR when they were really early in the gimmick in that in that masked crack? <laughs> like in the, when they were doing the, the weird- little back the flip stuff earlier on, it really reminded me of the Toxic Turtles. In the weirdest best, I know this is bad, but I still kind of like it. Way,
1: yeah. yes, absolutely.
0: I'm gonna put it out there. I quite like the Super Frogs, so you know that's what one have got <laughs> problem with. Um, yeah, this show, uh, I, I think. I finally come to the end of my teller, lads, Because we're going to get to the main event and I'm going to do something we've we've not done before. Got some air uh, broken Adam Wilborn t-shirts
1: to sell, have you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look, let's start at the beginning of this show. You'll never guess what I started with, Sid. Juju, it was a promo train. Uh, Charlotte Flair comes out. She says, oh, why is there no celebration for me? It's my last night on Raw. Instead, I've got to bloody defend my title against some rookie like Bianca Belair. She said there's a conspiracy against her. Uh, I mean, Belair That's not even technically part of Raw yet. To be honest, I kind of agreed with you there. There were all this thing about, like, oh, after Crown Jewel, that's when people change rosters, except for Bianca Belair and the Street Profits and anyone else who just fancy just moving around all over beforehand. Anyway, she says... People say, I'm the entitled one. Bianca Belair is getting two title shots within a week. Uh, She said, look, Belair can't beat her. Get to the back of the line. And then guess what? Bianca Belair, she interrupts, gets a great reaction. She says, this isn't conspiracy, this isn't favoritism, this is deserved. I was going to beat you a few weeks ago, reminding us that, yes, they had a match, I think, literally 14 days ago. Uh, but Becky Lynch, of course, got involved. She said, look, I won't be a problem for you soon because you don't even go here anymore after tonight. Uh, she planned on you know taking both belts uh, and, and winning both of them and having them both on her arms by the time she gets back to Raw next week. Um she asked Charlotte how that sounds. Charlotte goes to attack her. They go back and forth. She gets her up for a Cody. Charlotte gets out of it. Uh, but in the end, Bel Air knocks Charlotte Flair off the apron. Hanford, it's like you've never been away.
2: God, I mean, right, a, a, a positive first, a slim one. Come back, and at least I know that Charlotte Flair's a heel this week. I don't expect that next week. We'll just get what we get with her next week. But I knew she was the baddie, so that was nice. Like, that's they're often so unclear with her that it was nice to sort of have this main event that they put a big graphic up, that our cool main event, and, you know, Bianca Belair is so popular that they know that at least Charlotte Flair can play the heel and lean into that sort of stuff without worrying that she's alienating everybody. Um, as I said at the start, I've only really been able to cherry pick some of the, the freshest wrestling fruits. So I personally cannot think of a better example of a number one contender cutting a promo promising to give her best and win a world title I can't imagine another one has taken place in wrestling over the last few days that has just generated all sorts of buzz and positivity at how believable it was and the conviction of that baby face working to win the big one. I mean, here, she was talking about her blood, her sweat and her tears and her EST shit. Like, I just, I, like, I can't imagine that there would be another promo out there that was anything like this. Certainly if there was, like, the comparison would be laughable and humiliating. So it's a good job that there isn't. Um... Because, and I've got this spoiler, she doesn't keep the promises. So nice one, WWE. Ahead of a second title match this week, the baby face has already proven to be a massive failure. (laughs) Um, What a nightmare this was. What an absolute nightmare. Um, So, yeah, boring stuff. Boilerplate, Raw opening. Just terrible on its own terms. um, Because for all that Charlotte did all this big villainous stuff, as if to set up that, well, she's not going to leave Raw She's going to SmackDown, isn't she? That was the point of all this. Mm -hmm. She's not going to leave Raw with the belt. You do this big villain thing to say, and now look at me, I'm a a top of the world and I'm going to take this belt with me. She is. They're just going to do the New Day Street Profit swap next week. (laughs) Bianca Belair has failed profoundly at solving this problem and she's promised that she would. So that's awful. But Belair's delivery was useless. They've reduced her to the lame, pandering WWE babyface. These two once. And like, there was a lot I liked about the match later on before they killed it all. But these two wants, remember that first time that we heard that you don't even go here line was when this was like really hot on NXT when Charlotte was going to challenge her. Well, was coming to NXT after winning the Rumble and Bianca Belair was aggrieved because she was awesome on that show. It was like, like, how dare you? She had all this confidence and self-belief that she didn't need to pander to Charlotte Flair. She was doing that here and that was two years ago. She was putting herself in a box I'm going to do my best to beat you, like this This giant villain. She was weaker here than she was in Full Sail two years ago when she was lambasting Charlotte for daring to step to her in Full Sail. I, I cannot believe the regression of this character um, and how quickly it's occurred as well, because basically, for all I've seen at least, this has happened pretty much as a result of her losing the title to Becky Lynch. Everything was going along just about okay, and she loses the title and now she's here. A, a total disaster of an opening segment. I think mean, it's just a total waste of time because we know they're
1: wrestling later. They could just do this in a pre-tape at some point during the night to build it if you need to build it again. It was just a total and utter trope waste of my goddamn time. And if you had told me yesterday, right, inside scoop, got the scoop for you. At the beginning of Raw, Charlotte Flair is going to cut a promo. Bianca Belair is going to interrupt. And it's just basically to remind the audience that they are, in fact, working the main event together. I would say, all right, okay, um, is this what happens? Um, Charlotte Flair scripted to be a domineering bitch by male writers, and does Bianca Belair do a, a Mean Girls reference, and that's it? Hmm. And the answer will be, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, not good.
0: But at least we got our main event that had been pre-planned. Small mercies, I'm giving them the modicum of credit for that one, at least. Nope.
1: Well, you know what was good about your standards? They've had a storyline this week. Yeah, good, that's what's, Yeah.
0: Uh, right, we go backstage before the uh, King of the Rings semi-final, and Kevin Patrick's there. <laughs> Xavier Woods uh, Xavier Woods is talking about how important this evening is. He wants to follow in the footsteps of the likes of King Mabel, King Ken Shangro, King King. Yeah. Uh, Kofi Kingston says, Martin Luther King had a dream, but Woods' dream is to be king. Uh, Woods says he plans on wearing the crown on Thursday, and uh, they do the whole, hey, King Woods gimmick. I enjoyed all these two. And I just thought, oh, please, please don't ruin this because we anticipated a Jinder Mahal win on the preview. So at least you did, Sid, I suppose.
1: Yeah, but I'm very cynical. And because I'm cynical, I will predict that Finn Balor turns heel on Thursday because it's just the way they book. Look, I was wrong. Um, I'm happy to admit that I'm wrong. I have this weird insistence that I have to be right for some kind of narrative. They weren't quite as cynical as I thought, dot, dot, dot. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Well, um, I mean, you know, if, if Finn Balor wears his rainbow shirt on Thursday, I'll get booed
0: anyway. So it's the right place to turn. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> My pick for uh, King of the Ring: The Undertaker. For the Piss Trophy (laughs) last time. Uh, So, yeah, we got the semi-final. It was Xavier Woods versus Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal can only wrestle one type of match. Uh, Xavier Woods uh, is in control initially. Uh, Mahal fights back, hits him with a side slam, hits him in the face, and then tosses him to the outside, into the steps as we go to a break. When we come back, Mahal in control, hits a gut buster, gets a two count. Um, Eventually, though, Woods fights back, hits a thrust kick, uh, knocks Shanky off the apron. He comes off the top as Kofi Kingston's dealing with Shanky and Veer. This is the last time they'll be Jinder's heavies. Uh, and as a result of that, Woods comes off the top. I think he's going for a double axe handle. But uh, Mahal catches him. And guess what? Yeah, he hits the coloss. But thankfully, he's too close to the ropes Woods can grab the bottom rope and break the uh, break the count. He doesn't get pinned. Mahal, thank Christ, doesn't go through to the final of King of the Ring. Instead, Woods—they're fighting on the top. Fights off Mahal, knocks him down, hits that flying elbow drop. One, two, three. Xavier Woods oh, is heading to the finals of King of the Ring, and he celebrates post match. Doesn't touch the crown. He just put the robe on and hold the scepter, and Kofi does that thing where it's like waving in the wind. And I thought dreams can come true, Sid. You're here in WWE, yeah. Dream matches can't. This suck.
1: <laughs> I mean, the same old Jinder Mahal stuff, he very awkwardly attempts the most basic and drab match you've ever seen in your goddamn life. That we are athletically, storytelling, depth wise, range wise, we are on other channels and in other promotions leagues beyond this tripe. And as a result, um, I couldn't care less. Look, Xavier Woods is happy for
2: now. And I like Xavier Woods. Otherwise, I'm shrugging. I thought Woods was particularly good here, because we know at Mahal to be boring, like really, really dull. But I thought he was quite bad here as well. This was sort of the wrestling match equivalent of that a gif where, um, from the Simpsons, where Martin Prince is dancing around Nelson Muntz and Nelson Munz's body doesn't move at all. And Martin Prince just moves the whole time, like throwing roses and things like that. Xavier Woods was, it, this wasn't like Bret Hart, Tom McGee or anything. Jinder Powell is obviously competent, but he looked like he was having oh. a particularly bad, <laughs> he was looking like he was having a particularly bad night at being, what was it? What was Minoru Suzuki's line about them being drab? Gray, drab, boring
1: great. lump of trash.
2: Like, he was a greyer, lumpier, trashier version of himself than ever. Weirdly, which, like, only made Xavier Woods' task look harder, but all the more impressive that he was... Honestly, it did. It felt like he was wrestling a mannequin at points, and he was being so exciting and wanting to elevate this tournament semi-final to mean more than it was, because he cares such a great deal about this tournament. That I was marvelling at Woods, but this is what we, like, that's analytical viewing rather than... Like taking something for the art that it's intended to be. I wasn't watching this match thinking, like, oh no, I wasn't like dragged into the drama. I was just quite impressed by Woods's personal artistry and this. I'd like, I'd love him to win. Same sort of thing. I hope he's happy in his job. Um, but I don't think he will.
0: Mm. Well, we'll look ahead to that on the preview for Crown Jewel maybe tomorrow. Uh, but we go backstage. Austin Theory is there. Uh, he's got a promo saying he, uh, he did look up to Hardy, but. Uh, Last week, he was looking down at him when he beat him. Oh, down where? Down here. The 27, 24-7 goobers run through, distract him. He's furious. He's in the middle of an interview. He shouts, uh, Reggie, R-Truth, do you know who I am? And Truth stops and says, and I have a theory. And uh, he challenges him to a match later. And uh, R-Truth accepts. But he has to check one thing. What's that? Ha! To see if Theory can ask his mom to stay up that late. Got him! Uh, and then we uh, well, we got the match. Well, we didn't get the match, actually, because our truth came out and said, actually, I didn't accept the match for myself. I accepted it for a friend. And that friend was one, Jeff Hardy. Oh, a rematch. Um, Initially, theory is in control. Knocks Hardy down. Does Hardy's dance? Not quite as good as Seamus did it. Never going to be as good as Seamus did it on the top rope. Uh, theory gets small package as a result of that. Uh, theory hits a really nice looking neck breaker off the apron on the outside to take us to the ads. When we come back, uh, Hardy's fighting back. He hits a poetry in motion off the steps. Uh, into Theory, into the barricades. Uh, but when he goes to the bomb, Barman, gets countered. Theory hits that TKO and pins him again. Another victory for Austin Theory over Jeff Hardy. Very happy about that. He's already getting booked better than Karrion Cross, uh, And he goes to do the selfie. Well, he does the selfie uh, with Jeff Hardy. But Jeff Hardy then pops up, hits him with a twist of fate, and then takes a selfie of his own. Hamlet,
2: your thoughts on all this? Um, I continue... Uh be confused as to why WWE aren't just going with Jeff Hardy. Fans will never give up on him and over is over and over for life. And Jeff Hardy is over for life. And I know he's like, I know he's getting on and his, you know, his bump cards been like overstamped for years, but the last pay-per-view match with Sheamus was pretty good. And he can probably be put in that position. So I find it weird that he's in this specific story, but I'm going to be kind to this because well, you said it's a rematch and I haven't seen this already. So, like, I'm obviously going to be more generous to it. But Austin Theory, strictly speaking, from an in ring point of view, is way more interesting than he was at the first attempt when he was kind of a sub Randy Orton guy in the Andrade Zelina Vega stable. Mm. Here we go. I know performance center stuff is maybe an unfair comparison, but the work was drab as well. It was pretty drab on NXT. And um, that's perhaps a credit to work, spending some time with Johnny Gargano and trying to find some excitement bell a bell because he was looking you sense he's going to be a star and you sense what they're seeing him is all these kind of randy orton bland polished qualities but he's got a little bit more to him and maybe that's down to spending some time with the gargano because that that act was the first time he really felt like he clicked and his first go around on the main roster was dishwater dull so like i really didn't hate this but just on entrance alone jeff hardy's coming out and these crowds it's, it's so tragic how dead these crowds are Like, we're not even six months back off the pandemic like opening back up and, like, they're just so bored for some such long periods on these shows and they still care about Jeff Hardy. And I cannot understand why he's pissing about in lower cards. You might as well just push him. The only thing I can guess is
0: either, A, like you say, they're attributing that iffy triple threat that involved Priest and Sheamus to Jeff Hardy's mistakes, or he's going to SmackDown anyway. He'll get a fresh start from there. So maybe that's what they're thinking, Sage.
1: I think they just think he's a guy who we can get heat on by winning because they're not going to go with him in the main event spot. He's a guy who always gets a reaction. So why not beat him? This match is pretty nondescript for my tastes, of which are superior to this product. And <laughs> uh look, Austin Theory, it's one of those where it's like. I enjoy watching them push someone that they are clearly behind and like the look of because Mm. it means I'm not wasting my time here. As opposed to when they were pushing Cedric Alexander for a week after the Hurt Business split because you just know what's the point of this. So they like theory. You can tell it's kind of worth your investment. He's got a certain dickhead charisma that will serve him well and is not not entertaining. So this is fair enough. I do not need to see this match again, like. Mm. No, exactly.
0: Bait and switch of just... Oh, any of you Austin the very truth. Actually, you just not very much again. Drew max biggie. They are in Gorilla. Um, of course, they had the uh, nightmare. Uh, can they coexist storyline last week and the week before? And last two weeks ago, they sort of could. Last week, it all fell apart. Uh, and they've reasoned for why that happened last week. You know, Drew apologised, saying, look, I've got... I got confused, Um, I got bumped on the head, I didn't realise it wasn't deliberate, you attacking me, blah, 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 I just saw red and they they agree, let's try to coexist tonight uh, before we fight each other at crown jewel for the wwe championship biggie says make the best man win and mcintyre responds with oh don't worry i will biggie responds by doing his big intro in drew mcintyre's face what's mcintyre does some poses which sort of tickled me i suppose uh, and before we got to the coexisting tag match we were also in the uh, big office postman pierce sonia de Villa in there charlotte comes in moaning uh she's talking about conspiracy or something and Sonny Dewey said oh that's not the case I suppose she should have said that's not the case You don't see conspiracy it's what I did to Naomi on Smackdown basically nah, 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 nah. I do, I'm not talking about all this let's talk instead about the tag match because it was the Googie Dogs uh, versus Biggie and Drew McIntyre and they could coexist there were some nice spots in here uh, Ziggler going for the famous uh, on the outside
1: crack at the tag titles then probably and not wrestle each other what, what am I doing Ziggler goes for a paymaster on the
0: outside. Biggie hoys him into the timekeeper's area instead. But when he goes after Rude, Rude sends him into the steel steps. Uh, Biggie gets isolated for a large part of this match, but finally fights out, makes the tag to McIntyre, who comes in, runs wild, suplexes Rude, suplexes Ziggler, gives Rude a neck breaker, gives Ziggler a reverse Alabama slam onto Rude. That looked nice. Um, as McIntyre is going for the tag, Ziggler yanks Biggie off the apron. That allows Rude to recover and hit uh, McIntyre with a spine buster. And it was a nice spot with Rude powering up uh, Ziegler to hit an elevated famous for a two count. Uh, Ziegler, though, then misses, misses a stinger splash and McIntyre just Blasco kisses Rude. And uh, McIntyre gets to the corner. Biggie's back up in there, gets tagged in all nicey, nicey between those two. In comes Biggie, hits the big ending one, two, three. And they have that tense moment beforehand before they get the yeah, handshake between uh, Biggie and Drew McIntyre. Um, as McIntyre goes to leave, Biggie spins him back around, don't turn your back on me, sort of thing. And they jawjack Jack ahead of their big match on Thursday night, Siege.
1: Okay, what was the point of this? It like, killed 12 minutes and 50 seconds. A Gentleman's Three with very competent, well-worked action, I guess. All right, Moving on to the point of this, Like, the whole reason why Can They Coexist? storylines happen is to artificially engineer conflict from this weird, stupid premise where you just want you guys to fight and ruin the big sort of physical conflict before the match. The reason why the tag teams can never coexist is because when they coexist, it is boring and pointless <laughs> as opposed to absolutely cliched and awful. So there's people hate these storylines because neither eventuality is good, neither eventuality is fresh. Can we coexist? Yeah, see you on Thursday.
2: Like, what am I watching? Like, what is the
1: point, man? <laughs>
2: Yeah, this was so. This was a good match, but like all good matches in WWE, um, any good match just is the tragic irony of all of WWE's flaws laid bare, isn't it? Um, you've got a tag team in the, the Dirty Dogs who I really quite like, and I think we've been kind to of them in our SmackDown coverage before because they just do this, like their matches rarely miss, they don't often like excel or leave you much to talk about or get gift or anything like that but you sense they would in a functioning tag division i'll I'll invoke them properly now like you can't dance around it i think the dirty dogs would genuinely fit in AEW's tag division genuinely Mm -hmm. like they're not the most exhilarating but they're very very good and they work together very well they've got tremendous chemistry ziggler's style means more when it's grounded by someone like a Bobby Roode, who is thus made more exciting by Dolph Ziggler's style. I did like the
0: bit where he, he took what I think Big E into the corner, did the thing where he stands on the second rope and beats him down and looks around at everyone and went, I'm Big Bob.
2: <laughs> like, there's a lot of little things they do and have put into this act for quite a while that I think there's a lot to like about them. And they're just pros. They know how to do this in their sleep. And that comes across as well. Um, but the division doesn't exist. So all of that is meaningless. And then the rest is just to echo point entirely. Yes, they can coexist. So fight for the belts instead of fighting each other. And the fact that this is the route they've gone down when you had a really good, I mean, I would say really good because it was something that I suggested and wanted it to be better. But like a really good narrative driver of Drew McIntyre's had to sit on the sidelines all the time, Bobby Lashley's been champion. Like, why are we doing tag partner and mates that can't get along instead of McIntyre's year of struggle? Why has that, that not been what they've leaned upon? And his last shot of the
0: WWE Championship before he moves to SmackDown.
2: Yeah, this should feel huge. This is proper all or nothing from a guy that has been frozen out and instead, it's can they coexist? Like, WWE cannot help themselves. They do not know any other way. <laughs> Even when there's stuff that they've set up to make this easier on themselves, they've not done it.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite Backstage, uh, it's Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, and they are ready, 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 ready uh, for Crown Jewel. Sid's face an absolute picture here. Uh, and the Raw Tag Team title match, uh, they say AJ Styles, that kid in school who doesn't do any work in the group project but still gets an A, and Ford says, oh, well, I was that kid. Uh, they won the smoke, but uh, then uh, AJ Styles and Omos come in. They say that they're going to win the tag titles at Crown Jewel. They're not happy. Well, Styles isn't happy. Um, you know, this is this is the house. Well no, he almost says that he basically runs this place. And he just starts like, Well, we run this place, but thanks. Um, and they say, Look, you know, maybe if you beat up RK bro for us, maybe you'll be next in line for a shot in the tiles after we win them at Crown Jewel. Uh, street prophets think this is hilarious, and they laugh and they say, We want the smoke, and they walk off. And Styles says, uh, what were the prophets doing before? What, what were they prophesizing here, huh? What are you talking about? Uh, I don't know. He thinks the street brother's has got a dog name, basically. Anything you want to say about this siege? Uh, not remotely. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, instead, we got Cedric Alexander versus Mansour ahead, of course. Uh, you won't have seen this handflip, but they unfortunately split Mustafa Ali and Mansour. I don't know how we didn't see this one coming. So that Mansour can have a good match at Crown Jewel uh, against a blatantly obvious heel. And uh, Mansour gets the obligatory win beforehand here. He faced Cedric Alexander. Alexander gets some stuff in, but in the end, Mansour kicks him down, reverse DDT, hits that slingshot neck breaker to get the one, two, three post match. Out comes a gloriously dressed Mustafa Ali, talking about Mansour, you know, just being all happy and smiley and how he's going to, you know, ruin his day, basically, when they go to Crown Jewel, etc, etc. And then suddenly Mansour gets on the mic, fires up, tells him to shut the hell up. Of course, this really passionate promo calls Mustafa Ali a pathetic excuse of a man. And Mustafa Ali can't believe this attitude that's suddenly coming from Mansour. He is fired up before Crown Jewel. I wonder why, it
1: I don't know. Um, honestly, I'm trying really hard to. Focus. It's like it's, it's bad enough that I have to watch the show, every Tuesday. I'm starting to switch off during the podcast. Sorry, like, I don't know if you were like <laughs> you setting us up for a joke there. No, just I'm just asking for like, you. Honestly, we're going to cadence a bit better. you really confused me. There. I'll <laughs> say one thing. I don't hate any of this that much. Um, Mansoor is like a bit of a creativity. About his work. Stop it being out yet. Yeah, that kind of crackles with a certain electricity measured against the raw curve. And his promo, as generic as it absolutely gets, was somewhat he believes in himself. Yeah. And you know, it's Saudi Arabia, so I believe in him too. He's
0: <laughs> uh, the only hometown hero you can actually bet on. Aye.
1: I, I love that as well. <clears throat> I imagine just the, the phone calls between bloody Vince and. Salmon Salmon. Mm. well you know do this thing right it's called heat and uh bin well, we does all we do this thing and it's uh, it's called making the country look great <laughs> so we're going to make our representatives win and they're just having this big sort of alpha male battle on the phone <laughs> vince is pissed off at the
2: end because it's uh, paid us loads of money i can't give in to my cruel instincts <laughs> yeah like more followers for thinking that this might have been them too winning the tag belts as the big crown jewel moment, because that would mean that Mustafa Ali would have to have something nice happen to him. So they're going to do this instead. He gets to have the good match. I, yeah, I didn't, I'm the same as Cidric really. I didn't know this was like fantastic or anything, but I didn't mind any of it. And at least this time around, especially with Mansoor as a, as a regular now on the main roster, at least they've. if you want, if you want to track this back to when these two first came together, that's maybe two months, something like that. They've put the time in, knowing that Crown Jewel is on the horizon and they want a big story for him. I prefer that to how they previously did it with Mansoor, where there's kind of this, like, sort of... He's the Von Wagoner of the main roster. It's like Cesaro versus your favourite wrestler, Mansoor. You know who's on every week?
0: <laughs>
2: wow, Mansoor's won the biggest battle all, of all I love that guy. I've been, like, really into his career that one time we saw him. Like, so I much prefer this. Like, this is the way to use him, ultimately. If anything... um, you know, I fear for Mansoor after the fact, because there's not another Saudi Arabia show till after the Rumble or whatever. <laughs> what if he just disappears from view and they don't bring him back again till January? And all of this was, was just for this, because um, this is, wasn't bad. Sij, who do you think is going to get
0: more fireworks in Saudi Arabia? Mansour in this effectively nothing grudge match against Mustafa Ali or the winner of the inaugural Queen's Crown tournament? Mansoor's entrance. <laughs> yeah, not even him winning. Just his this entrance. entrance. <laughs> uh, now, I've got to bring... Just give me a second here, because I've got to bring Hamflot up to speed on this uh, Goldberg-Bobby Lashley feud. Uh, basically, every week, Goldberg says he's going to kill someone in Saudi Arabia, uh, and that man is Bobby Lashley. Uh, let's see what happened this week. Goldberg threatened Bobby Lashley. He said he was going to... Actually, didn't say he was going to kill him. He said he was going to, like, take him to
1: death's door, beat him, and then kidding. So, you know, change it up a little bit. I was like, I was worried because when he said that, I thought I oh, like clarifying the comments because they know they can't say that. And then he goes, <laughs> Isn't this literally a bulldog
0: promo we watched the other day where he's like, I'm going to kill you. Actually, I'm not going to kill you, uh, Michelle Michaels. What I'm going to do is I'm going just about to kill you. It's
1: not from Yorkshire though, is
0: it? Pin you, and then you know what? And then I'm ah. going to um, um, kiss my wife and then kill you or something. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I'm like, I'll tell you something. I mean, I've told everyone else this. It's been on podcasts and stuff. But uh, the other day, me and Sid were walking out together uh, from work. And uh, Sid uh, doesn't want to walk with me. So he said, oh, I've got to go to the <laughs>
2: Um
0: So instead, I'm parked right outside the World Culture office. I got in my car, waited for him. And as he walked out the door, putting his headphones in, I went,
1: it's not even my car. It's <laughs> a rental car. I exploded. It's dark that I exploded. It was great.
0: Anyway, anyway. (laughs) what happened? Oh, yes. Bloody pointless. This. No old bard interview where they say everything they've said over the last few weeks, just face to face this time. Uh, Not even face to face. They're on a video call, aren't they? Um, Lashley said, You are literally threatened to kill a man on national television. I could report this to the authorities, but I'm not going to because I'm going to kill you instead, actually uh he said he's untouchable in the ring uh he wondered what Goldberg's son Gage would tell his friends god I hope Gage gets hurt I hope he really gets attacked by Bobby Lashley in Saudi Arabia um but Goldberg said the more you talk about my family the more I'm gonna make you suffer more than death Bill suffer more than death is it okay um Lashley said Goldberg can only hope to survive and he was going to be begging him for forgiveness and Goldberg even wondered if Lashley actually believed what he was saying. Uh, Lashley storms off and Goldberg said, safe travels, kill your Thursday, Bobby. <sighs> Stop saying you're going to kill people, Bill. you go going to Saudi Arabia. Hampler, uh, now you've got you know, the full picture of this. How excited are you? <laughs>
2: it's bollocks. I had the full picture at SummerSlam, didn't I? Nothing, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Like, WWE, they're not going to deliver somebody dying, the is taking place in Riyadh and not the consulate, you know, but uh, like regardless, they're not going to, like they didn't deliver Drew McIntyre cutting Jim Moore's limbs off with a sword at SummerSlam, so there is not <laughs> going to be limbs getting cut off in Saudi Arabia this was lousy this was, like, bad pat between the two of them, in a no-holds-barred interview, which, like, sounds lifted off of one of Chris Jericho's synonym generators for his segments on Dynamite like the no-holds-barred interview rubbish just useless waste of time. Sige, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because there's been a lot of
0: comparisons recently between WWE and AW head to head stuff, ratings, et cetera. So we've got Goldberg here. And then on Friday, we had New Japan's Goldberg. Who's had a better week?
1: <laughs> Did you see this pamphlet? Uh, there was a bit of a kickoff about people going, Oh, they're hot shot on that definite. Um, full gear main event between Minoru Suzuki and Brian Danielson. And I stupid bad face. <laughs> and someone was um, like, who's this Minoru Suzuki guy? And so on. So the Japanese Goldberg. Oh, God. This. Why remind us of last week's awful discourse?
2: I If I've think about it, you have to. No, I don't. Well. This is bro... the, real, the real Suzuki incident, is it? Somebody said it's the Japanese Goldberg. Yeah.
1: This promo was awful. Bill Goldberg is such an unlikable old f- <laughs> You can see him going, hey, when like Lashley's doing his bit, and he's just sort of looking there like it just uh, it's a really it's radiates this unlikable smoke quality and he's threatening to kill you. And it's like, you're a your baby face. You were decent at it in 2016. And then your knees turned to dust. And your hands got even stupider. <laughs> you knocked yourself even more senseless than you were in 2000 when you ruined a lot of people's lives, including Bright Hart.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. Kill Your Thursday. Oh, I want to get off. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like, you know, when you see like a random like Silent Night, Deadly Night, or whatever, it's garbage day by <laughs> like, these stupid dickheads who can't act, who are perversely amusing the baddies in horror films. Mm. So it sounds like with these assholes. Kill Your Thursday. Bobby
0: Lashley's going to win. You can take that to the bank. Oh, I'm going to take you to the bank, Bobby.
1: To the blood bank. Yeah, like that. <laughs> it's like that. An even more detestable. Stephen Seagal is Bill <laughs> Goldberg in 2021. I hate him. And I'm worried about watching this stupid, stupid Saudi Arabia show that if you can park the wrongness of it, you can enjoy so much on a perverse level. Mm. I'm going to be worried that Lashley's going to die in the most ironic WWE developments of all
0: time. Fine. The reason why it's no holds body is so that Cedric Alexander can take the incredibly dangerous Jackhammer instead. And all Bobby Lashley's going to have to take is probably one spear.
1: Because that's all that's going to So gonna it's play. good that Cedric's going to die. No, I'm not saying that. You can't do Jackhammer's, man.
2: I <laughs> know. As long as the star's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> as long as WWE delivered, they promise to take one life and it's not somebody I actually like. After <laughs> the beating that you
0: gave me, Bill... One thing think Cedric Alexander is not ready to face you as Saudi Arabia, but I've got a replacement the fans deserve. I think you know the guy. Gary the Goat <laughs> <laughs> Uh Okay, Riddle
1: speaks to Randy.
0: Uh, in the back, uh, you said, yeah, Randy. I, uh... I don't know what that voice is. He was, he, he was impressed the not planned plan bollocks worked last week. He said, uh, Orton said, there wasn't a plan. He said, yeah, of course not. You, you're so good at acting, you could uh, win a, an Oscar or a Kids' Choice Award. Um, Riddle said, look, uh, Riddle's very excited to face the street Properties. You know why, Sitch? Because just like him, they want this smoke. Riddle is weed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Orton said, look, I've got a plan. And the plan is win and win on Thursday. Good plan, Randy. I like it. And uh, he gets excited about smoking again and walks off.
1: I wish I still did that. that sure <laughs> would
0: <be something> <laughs> I would give this promo a four out of 20.
1: I
2: hope you die. <laughs> Bill kicks off in here. <laughs> Wait a minute, then. Does that mean that Riddle touches grace? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
0: video package for Keith Bearcats. He's
1: spending a lot of time outside is uh, fair, Riddle. The old doghouse. What <laughs> 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 about this? Uh, has he done now? I oh, say he's, uh, he's just left the, the, the family. His wife is having a him on Twitter. Good. Cause, yeah, cause, like Riddle was saying like I'm having a great time on tour. And, uh, Lisa Riddle's like, yeah, of course we well, just you just left your <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's
0: fine. Anyway, let's get into the match. It was Street Province versus Randy Orton Riddle, then it went to the DQ. Uh they had a lot of <laughs> It, fun stuff beforehand, I suppose. There was some mad flips to the outside. Rid, Riddle diving out there to take Angelo Dawkins. Montez Ford doing all those bonkers dives to take out both Riddle and Orton. Uh, Orton knocks down Ford with a clothesline. Riddle hits a really. really I really hope this is added to his his arsenal. Hits a spinning gut-wrench slam, which it popped me huge. Uh, Dawkins comes in, he runs wild, hits a double undercut uh, neck breaker on Riddle for a two, but Orton comes in uh, and then hits forward with a draping DDT. Orton sets up the RKO, but Styles' music hits. Uh, Orton's distracted, he turns around, looks at the stage, out comes Big-jawed, out comes almost. And uh, Orton then turns round to Styles, hitting him with a phenomenal forearm, forearm for the DQ. And the uh, yeah, match gets thrown out. Almost comes down and beats everyone up. And Orton, as he's just recovered from the forearm, gets up and turns round into a roundhouse kick from Omos. This is now part of
2: his arsenal, by the way, Hamflip.
1: But he well, was a ninja. Yes, good point. <laughs>
2: <sighs> when will Montez Ford stop trying when will he realize that none of this is worth all of this? That cell from the Orton DDT that we've seen a million times—he replicated. You know that brilliant freeze frame that somebody took of Shawn Michaels selling on his head from a Psycho Sid punch from the Survivor Series 1996. Somebody's at a freeze frame that Michaels is just doing this awesome backflip. Montez Ford created that for real in this match. Like he just managed to stay on his head, like as if he like was it was going to drill into the canvas itself off the DDT, and he does this stuff every week. I miss watching Montez Ford because he was doing this stuff as I kind of thought they might split the Street Profits up and just go with him because he was... You were they were planning Was that on the card? Like, they w- literally planned to do that and then they decided not to do it. I know that sounds very like WWE, right? Split the tag team up, et cetera. I wouldn't have been against it. No. Like he, was dom- he was dominating the conversation after a SmackDown. He was this one guy that would do something every week that you'd want to talk about. You'd want to watch what he could do next, um, which was one of the few guys they had like that. And he did this here. He's great. I don't think I get this. You know, I keep saying nothing's changed at SummerSlam. Something has changed. RK Bro are the champions. Why are they booking this as if AJ and Omos have still got the belts? We run raw. You you lost. It's over. Do something else. (laughs) How is this feud, this rematch feud, being booked as if the first match with the actual title change never occurred? Because they can't book. Yeah, they can't book.
1: Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's fine. Question: uh, Hamlet, as loath as I am. To tell you something that happened on Raw because it involves me talking about a role that I don't have to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> they did this angle the other week uh, when you were off. And it was where Riddle, in his stupid stoned head, thought that he had a cunning plan mm. um, where he was going to confront AJ in a moss. And the idea was he had a code word that was going to bring out Randy and like Randy because he doesn't care about him that much, just didn't come out when he said the code word. Right. And he did this thing where like, Almost just beat Riddle in three minutes after picking him up from the doing, going full Undertaker, I'm yeah. fully loaded. Like, pin dropped the Riddle. People hate him now. It's not over like it was. He got oh, beat right. completely in the middle of the ring. And then Orton came out and Orton beat up AJ Styles and then Orton and Riddle celebrated. And it's like, like one member of each team just got beat down. No one's celebrating <laughs> yet. Like, you know, so that's, something you've missed and something that might as well not have happened because nothing happens. No,
0: yeah. um, Becky Lynch video package. She's returned to Monday Night Raw, of course. And then we got the Queen's... Where? money there I Got the Queen's Crown Tournament Semi-Final. It was Shayna Baszler. Doudrop! And beforehand, Dewdrop did another unbearable goddamn promo
1: where she went, Yes! Uh, Willborn, I think, hates New Deb more than Natalia.
0: No, no, no. I hate it when she goes yes, but it, it, she's got some newness about her, and yeah, at least she doesn't have a family heirloom move that she can't execute and get pinned with every time the flatulence
1: of execution
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh zelina vega who uh, is also in the final of the queen's crown tournament comes out to watch uh from the stage and puts on the crown and all that bollocks and yet another sub three minute match for this queen's crown tournament hey they've all gone very very short lengths uh i think it was the first show they had the tournament on uh, pamphlet, the two matches combined were shorter than Roman Reigns' entrance. So, there you go. <laughs> Sounds like a
2: bit, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, um, can't have everything though. Shayna Baszler, unfortunately, did not advance to the finals because her one weakness was exposed yet again. She used uh, MMA kicks and stuff to, to batter DoDrop. DoDrop though, fights back. It's a back suplex. Cannonballs are in the corner. Baszler catches her in the Kirafuda clutch. Dewdrop fights out of it. She goes to that running crossbody, but Baszler ducks it and gets her in the Kirafuda clutch. Again, it looks like she's going to pass out and then Dewdrop does that thing where she just rolls backwards and Shayna Baszler uh, doesn't kick out and it, this is the only finish they can ever book for Shayna Baszler getting pinned outside of just getting squashed when she's in a tag team, Hamflip?
2: Impossible to feel anything for. Yeah, we've seen this finish too many times now for it to be impactful. It was great once, maybe twice in NXT. It was good once on the main roster. That was a Becky Lynch one, and even then the result felt like a bad one. Uh, yes, Queen, she's going to win, isn't she? Nothing nice happens for Zelina Vega ever. So, Oh, my God, draw. LTST. <laughs> uh, aye. If, like if this has been the whole tournament, what chance has it given any of them? Mm, one exactly. meaningless, one meaningless waste of time. Um Nikki Ash uh, was. You didn't back... ask my thoughts on the match. Oh, your thoughts on the match? I don't have any. Okay. <laughs> 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 Nikki what Ash, was... I have got some thoughts on this next bit when you've recapped it. Something stuck out to me about this. Uh Well, she had a game of anything you can do,
0: I can do. In terms of promos. Uh yeah, jobs, yeah. So then she went, oh, beyond any boom zap kapow. Oh, die. I just hate this. I hate this gimmick. It's awful. Her and Rhea Ripley say, hey, Bianca hey! Bella, welcome to Raw. She was there like a year ago, wasn't she? I'm fairly certain she was on Raw a year ago. Well, they give her a cap and they say boom zap kapow, And Rhea Ripley's founder title. Well, she lost the women's tag title, by the way. One of her bags got stolen and the, uh, the women's tag title in it.
1: Remember when uh, Chris Jericho got a goddamn I said second piece of life by getting his title stolen? Do something, with it? Nothing. Uh, and, uh, yeah. he's a supervillain character who's stolen it. a Nicky A.S.H. I've just pulled that out of my arsehole. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, sorry,
0: your thoughts. You apparently care about this more than we do, comfort. I, <laughs> I
2: don't care about this. I don't this specifically, but it just stuck out to me. Just, I had an opportunity on a podcast to have a go at Bad Faith Actors for a while, so I'm going to do that now. Remember after WrestleMania when... Um, Raquel Gonzalez won the belt, and then Rhea Ripley and uh, Bianca Belair showed up on NXT, and they had that picture taken where they are all smiling together. Three smiling diesels, killing three careers all at once. But all the terrible co-opted journalists and all the losers that you hate on Twitter were all, say what you want about WWE, look at this, what a victory. What a victory for women's wrestling, say what you like. Flash forward six months, free hat. Like, that's what this company is. (laughs) That visual of the three of them holding up belts meant... You guys have had to go at this. Meant jack shit Because, like, look <laughs> at them now. Free hat, and one of them is dressed up like a superhero. Raquel Gonzalez, your future awaits. Well, certainly what about development. Before. I mean, you know, there's proof. Proof is in the pudding. Pudding's a cap. <laughs>
0: uh, this was followed by Finn Balor versus Mace. Skip. Skip. <laughs> skip. Ah. Uh. <laughs> do you want to skip? Yes, please. Okay, fair enough. Finn Balor won with the coup de grace. Enough for that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review. Review. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> this week's five star review review is brought to you by Austin Grey Rats. Uh, if you want to see. Suggest- Angus. Angus, sorry, I've got Austin Theory on the brain. Angus. It's a good frog and slip though. Angus uh, Gray Rat. If you want <laughs> to suggest something short crap and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god-awful raw segment, you can do so by subscribing to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, leaving us a five-star review. Just
1: read the first line from The Undertaker, and no truer word has ever been spoken. Yes.
0: <laughs> um uh, uh angus actually emailed this one to me uh if you can't get on itunes for whatever reason you want to suggest a five-star review you can do, do
1: try so. be like the algorithm yeah, yeah
0: exactly um adam.wellborn at whatculture.com if you want to uh send this to me i know angus attempted to write this on the itunes page but he wouldn't let him submit it so he just rated it five stars so thank you for that angus angus writes Hello lads, I'm a long time listener and finally decided to set up an iTunes account so I can leave this review. This is generally the best, genuinely the best wrestling podcast out there at the moment. The perfect mixture of info and laughs make any of the podcasts a fantastic listen. You won't get such a brilliant mix of inside accents or inside jokes anywhere else. For the five-star review review, I'll leave it up to you guys. Although I would ask that it is something involving the Undertaker, as I have long thought he is a giant. Sh- of a man <laughs> thanks for, keep up the great work p.s i fully blame sidgwick for the fact that i can't stop saying "Great grateful Meryl. and fully blame wilborn for the fact my boyfriend won't stop using your Donnie the voice uh so thank you for that one angus gray rat um we decided sage to go for an all-timer promo from The Undertaker, flanked by the big show for this. Hamlet, give us a bit of a backstory to what was going on here.
2: Oh, God, it's just such a favourite. I'd like, thank you, Angus, for this. And obviously, thank you, Wilborn, for picking this. It was me. And you, Cedric. On Angus's point, me. I, I want us to all take a little bit of credit, because I feel like we're partially responsible for changing the narrative on The Undertaker over the years. I think our consistent, very consistent, I don't want to say burial, because that's his word anyway. But our criticisms of The Undertaker have been heard by more people than before. And it's just nice. I think we're in a post-Undertaker discourse climate. And I like that. This particular period of The Undertaker's was one of his worst. There's been several. He's been terrible for most of his run. But he was broken down badly. Um, His character that they tried to tweak into the ministry stuff to kind of keep up with the pace of the attitude era was also dead in the water they done everything. Like they'd already given up on the fancy cape. They'd given up on the Ministry of Darkness. He pretty much just had um, the remains of his relationship with Paul Bearer, like linking his character to the past. And he was teaming with the big show. Not bad. <laughs> here, because there was a, something of a meritocracy in WB at the time. And it was like, oh, cool, The Undertaker can, this is the only time I'm going to make this comparison. But think about John Moxley losing the title and then dropping into a tag team with Eddie Kingston. Like quite a good use The Undertaker. I mean, look at them. They're going to be hugely dominant. They're going to be unstoppable. You can do something with that. You absolutely can. And behind the scenes, it was there to help the Big Show because it had been six months. Vince McMahon had buyer's remorse on the one guy that he arrogantly believed he could not fail with because he was failing with him. Big Show, no exaggeration. We've done this a million times. It turned about four times by this point in six months. Um, WCW had done a better job with The Giant than Vincent Mann had done with Paul White, The Big Show. Uh, and this was their attempt, in their mind, to kind of wrestlers court him on television. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quoting exactly, but this was Jim Ross and the Rossport every week. You're fat and you're lazy and you fucking suck. <laughs> that was every single week he was getting negged. So it's like, put him with the boss of the locker room and they make sense as an act on TV. And you've got this tag team. And they go to the SummerSlam and they're going to win the tag titles. All they've got to do is say, look at us. We're super dangerous. X-Pac MK, and Kane, you're doomed. That's Undertaker's job for the night. And it's one of his easier ones because just look at them.
0: <laughs> it's an
2: easy sell, Sage. It's an easy sell. We're two
0: giant bastards. We're going to murder you at SummerSlam. Let's see what Undertaker's got to say for himself, shall we? And Vince Russo, don't forget. <laughs> Playtime's over, <laughs> says Taker. Sit down and shut up.
1: (laughs) It certainly was. It
0: certainly was. What a boring little He says later on tonight, there's going to be a match for the tag team titles between the Acolytes and X-Pac and Kane. Whatever, whatever. It's not important. The (laughs) fact of the matter is, this Sunday at SummerSlam, the winner of that match will come face to face with this. And to make sure that my man was right this week, I put him to the test. I had Paul Bearer call out to California... San Fernando, San Fernando Valley to some associates of ours at the local
1: 81. Jim Ross just goes, "What's that?" He already made this. <laughs> he already thinks it totally blows. Paul said, "We're gonna need two
0: bikes for a ride in the desert." I also like to picture Paul Barron a little sidecar on on Undertaker's bike. <laughs> I
1: need a big one.
0: <laughs> the guy said, "You know," what he said, "He said, brother, brother Paul." We all know that the dead man can handle it. With my huge (laughs) cat.
1: We all know that the dead man can handle it.
0: But I don't know about the big show.
1: No one is doubting the dead
2: man. (laughs) We've got all of the Undertaker's paperwork.
0: I don't know about the big show, he says. It's August. August. It's 120 degrees in the middle of Death Valley. Even
1: Fahrenheit, is that insane?
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. He says, he says, the only things that survive in the desert are cold blood.
1: The snakes and the lizards. And the women. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the eighty-one. when we read the report <laughs> and they say you're fat and you suck.
0: <laughs> Paul said, that's all right. And in one of those bikes that you're setting up for us, I want the Big Show to only have enough gas to get to the middle of the desert and not get back. Although, make sure that one's labelled, because, you know, I <laughs> have to give that one to take her, and you know, it'll be really awkward. And he tries to drive off, and then Big Show realises he's the one with the, with the full tank of gas. And uh, we, I mean, we, we all know. The, the, sorry, well, I've gone off tangent engineer Anyway. You have. <laughs> so we're on our way. We get to the middle of Death Valley. I get out my thermometer and it's 120 (laughs) degrees. (laughs) His voice is ruining my throat. Guess what's happened, Sage? That's a whiskey boy. (laughs) Guess what's happened, Sage? The big show's bike It's run out of gas. And I pull up next to him. Next to him. (laughs) Him. Him. (laughs) Him. Him. And I ask him this question. It's 120 degrees. (laughs) It's hot. He says, how are you going to (laughs) survive? Looks me straight in the eyes. Without hesitation, he says, I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) wait. I'm going to wait till you go to sleep. I'm going to stab you in the back. I'm gonna cut your flesh off. (laughs) I'm gonna make a coat of it. I'm also gonna
1: eat your flesh until I find food. I could easily eat a snake, but I gotta, it's a test.
0: I said, good answer, big man. Let's see what our survey said. (laughs) He said, good, I said, good answer, big man.
2: But I don't sleep. Undertaker creates the most ludicrous of scenarios just so he can no sell it. I don't like, know. I, I, like, if you if you watch this, like, and I recommend everybody watch it. It's the classic stuff. Um, Big Show's face while Undertaker is putting these words in his mouth. They weren't my words. Like, <laughs> would not talk like this. You mad old? Like, just just so he can no sell it. I don't sleep. <laughs> Here's the twist.
0: <laughs> I don't sleep, he says. Anyway, I drove off and left him, and I waited just on the outskirts in the suburbs of the desert. Two days later, how long was he going to wait? I've got to get back to work. I'm sorry. Let me know if a seven-foot-tall guy comes out of here. I'm working extra. back in Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> Two days later, walks out with a why, if you could fashion something, would you go... Anyway.
1: Two well, day- it's hot, he's not going to make it. Well, he did make a coat. Yeah. He's gonna make a coat the Undertaker. You don't even know it 120 degrees.
0: Two days later, he walks out with a snake
2: necktie and lizard boots.
1: Make a, make a fan.
2: Yeah. I prefer <laughs> a fan. A big show walking out of the desert. Bollochore, apart from boots, a coat and a tie. It was like, bang, bang, bong <laughs> <laughs> Bang, bang, big show.
0: He's got, he's got a snake necktie, lizard boots, and he's carrying his Harley Davidson on his shoulder.
2: Making sure the wheels don't graze against his cock. <laughs> I said, uh,
0: "I said thanks for that. I, want, I wouldn't be able to get the deposit if you not bring that bike back to me. The point of the story is what used to be known as SummerSlam Will now be known as Armageddon, and whoever shows up will be hurt.
1: Christ! It's one of the best oh, things oh, ever. It's oh, just oh, absolutely. Are you going to take as good as he? Oh, uh, <coughs> press play on YouTube video.
0: <laughs> then Jericho comes out and wrecks him. Basically, welcome to Raw is. Jericho, he says, this is exactly what I was talking about last week. You two giant slugs (laughs) have been out here for, what, three, four minutes, and you've already forced these poor people to drift off into their own little worlds, completely oblivious to what you're saying and completely oblivious to you. I mean, you two morons couldn't string together two intelligent words. I was forced to come out here and save this segment. Personification of evil. Ha! (laughs) More like occasion of boredom. LTST. It was, it was Jericho all along. The only scary thing about you two is the amount of TV time you get, which causes the people to pick up the remote and change the channel looking for a hero. Well, stop changing the channel because your hero has arrived. Chris Jericho has come to save the WWF. Finally. There's a man who's entertaining enough and exciting enough to bring this company back to prominence and make some money for this beleaguered promotion. I'm here to say that Rory's Snore is now dead and buried, and long live Raw is Jericho. And now that the Y2J problem is here, the company, from the front office employees to all the idiots in the dressing room, to the two biggest idiots of all, will never. Eh- Ever be the same
1: again? I'm popping already at the Undertaker's repost. Hey boy! Hey boy! Hey boy! I don't know who you think you are. Uh, I don't know who you are who you, know who you think, think you are. judging from that peak. Well, you it trying to grow on that chin? Yeah, I can tell. I got more shower time than you got ring time. And if you ever, and I mean ever, decide to interrupt me again, it will be your last time. And that's a promise. People in the comments were like, Ooh, Undertaker got him. Someone's gonna pee.
0: <laughs>
1: it's just
2: Undertaker thinks all of this is a street and he's got magic powers. And DDP's legit stalked his wife. <laughs> Who's this guy from Street, Dobia coming in? Why are they giving him a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, guy, man.
0: I'm, I'm out here. He's been restless there.
2: there out here. has been restless I sent you to taking
1: dumb jobs. <laughs> uh,
0: Hamlet, did this live up to your expectations?
2: Well, and then some. And then some. It's, it's just it's. Like I, I love that we can do this on a podcast because we've been doing this over desks for years. Yeah. It's a, it's just it's it's like even if you love the Undertaker, you'd be hard pressed not to rip the piss out of this magic. Uh, so we go to the comment
0: section once again. These do not reflect the views myself. The Dadly boys, anyone at what culture wrestling? Uh, a lot of people revisit this. Uh, I think it was like the twenty year anniversary of this a while back, so people were really enjoying it. Uh, Harry Mackenzie writes. <laughs> I'm a wrestling fan. I'm a wrestling fan, but hilly hell, I presume now means holy hell. <laughs> <laughs> Literally none of that happened, Taker. Uh, uh, Milind writes, those were the best days. Yeah. And Osric responds, but this promo sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs> Michael McDonald, just on a vendetta apparently, writes, Big Show is the stupidest man I've ever seen on TV. Didn't say anything here. Michael Floresca writes, (laughs) this one got me. What's the weather like in Death Valley? Is it hot? I don't think he said specifically. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my favorite. Uh, Labber Baby writes, Undertaker was telling a very layered story Think of both their times in WCW, their WWE debuts, and imagine the F slash E as the desert.
2: The the lore of the snake flesh.
0: To which uh, Ortega writes, good for you, it was though. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, thanks to Angus Greyrat for suggesting
2: that. Uh, Or near the main event.
0: We're very, very close to the main event, but uh...
2: sorry. The... I, look, we, know, we know we've got listeners in Jacksonville. A million, billion points to Paul White if the next time he works on TV he wears uh, lizard boots. Even if it's just for commentary on Dark Elevation, just wear those lizard boots. And, and we'll know, we'll all know
0: yes, Angus Gray, uh, thank you for allowing us to pick that. If you want to suggest something short, crap and wrestling related, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and suggest something. Or you can just leave us a five-star review on iTunes and email me something you want to suggest. adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. And (laughs) we return it (laughs) to Monday Night Raw, (laughs) where John Morrison... It's meditating backstage. He's trying to find his chi and income the Viking raiders. Just guys that they've just wasted in this segment. Basically saying, "I don't get it. Why would you search for chi if you can't use it to raid?" Did he
1: say something like "in the name of four or something like? I don't. know. Exactly. <laughs> the actual Vikings like,
2: what's what's this? What the is this? John oh, is
0: meditating backstage
2: last yeah, week. Yeah, it's
0: only the second time he's done it.
1: Vince McMahon basically,
2: discovered basically, meditation and hates it. He thinks it's like a liberal arts thing or something and wants to bury it.
1: Something like that. I mean, Miss is doing dance with the stars, so Morrison's gotten out with D. So they're like, What can we do? Bruce Pritchard's backstage and like what can we do that mirrors society and it's <laughs> like you're a foul bitch and you need to get out of my bloody life.
0: I've got it. What if we do someone who's like about woke
1: culture? No, Brits,
0: we've already got that on NXT. Oh, we got Joe Casey.
1: We tell stories and we reflect what's going on in society. The the meditator. (laughs) It's the main event.
0: It's brilliant. Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair. But I Uh, I don't want to talk about
1: it. What's what's the point? They They went 22 minutes. And it ended with a DQ. WWE is an inconvenience to itself. Yeah, you, you said this the the day, it's yeah. It's my new thing. I'm going to make it a thing. WWE is an inconvenience to itself. They don't want to do anything, so why should I watch anything that they do? It was brilliant. There was, it, was, it was very
0: good. It was brilliant. There was, you know, mirroring you of moves. Play. There was all the signature stuff you'd expect. There was kickouts. There was Bianca Belair powering out when she goes for the uh, natural selection, all that. There was a spear out of nowhere from Charlotte Flair. They got a near fall. There was all that. But there was the moonsault to the floor, of course, from, from, from Charlotte but what's the point? What's the point in me reading out what happened? Because in the end, I was looking at the time going. there's not a lot, not a lot of time left on this on this uh, thing that I'm legally watching Monday Night Raw on, for me to watch a title change, which we all assume
1: is going to happen. I was so gonna like, say Sky Sports, then are not. Well, we convincing lies. I've <laughs> been on Sky Sports for about two years. <laughs> <laughs> but if
0: if they are going to do a title change, which they should, or rather than a belt swap, it's like 30 seconds left. And literally, as that thought came into my mind, Air is going after Charlotte. Charlotte reaches down. She's grabbed a chair from under the ring. She twats Air with it. DQ, match gets thrown out. Yes, Bianca Belair wins, but the title doesn't change hands on the DQ. And yes, Belair stands tall because she hits Charlotte with the chair a few times. But before the crowd can even realise there hasn't been a title change, the show ends because they don't want to end it with a no no doubt deafening amount of booze on this goddamn show.
1: There were moments where I thought, I can get halfway into this, I think, because it's actually quite thrilling how they've subverted... Well, I think genuinely they've done really well with Bianca Belair's matches, especially at the papes, where they get over her strength and they sort of know how to build matches around every one of her babyface characteristics. And they she has them in abundance. She's really good. She's really, really great <laughs> Bianca Belair. Loving the subversion of Charlotte Flair, like being, you know, I'm really strong as well. I was like, oh, this is actually pretty great. It's a really good story beat. It's really well worked. Um, you're probably going to get a title switch. And I don't care about the title, but you know, I'm not watching it glazed hour in the eye. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then they're doing a ball. So, so uh, and it, WWE is an inconvenience to me and indeed itself.
2: Um, I hate it. I'm anything you want to say about this? Well, you just you can't believe it, but you can. That's the thing, isn't it? Like you you can't believe they would book a match like this to be as good as it was for that finish. Over that runtime, but well, you absolutely can because it's WB. This is not even the greatest crime they'll commit this week. It's just and the fact crazy. that uh, I mean,
0: Andy I think tweeted about this, and I saw people saying to him, "Come on, Andy, stop being so negative." We all knew we weren't getting finished this match. Why book it then?
1: Well, why watch? It's the weirdest thing, when there is a certain portion of WWE fans who don't get that drama and finality is a thing. They just they. Don't understand that. That's what it's meant to be about. It's as like I say. Like, I'm, why would I pick up a book knowing that I'd been up at the printers and the last chapter I was missing? Look, why a, would I ever do that? Look at look at what's happened
0: to Game of Thrones in the subsequent year or whatever it was. I think it was a year or a couple of years ago. Couple of years ago, years ago, yeah, a couple I of years ago.
1: Reddit office discourse so. about how
0: fast that's gone from like an all timer. Like the misses the other day was like, oh, I'm gonna rewatch Game of Thrones from the beginning. And I was like. Why? Why? Because there's loads of TV shows I'm meaning to watch. And like, I've always heard great things about Dexter, but all I ever hear is, yeah, it's great right up until the end. So why invest in it? The same applies to wrestling, same applies to wrestling shows in particular. Like, well, WWE shows. Yes, I mean, that's what I mean. Sports entertainment. Sports entertainment, exactly. Because it's just infuriating this, that people now just accept, oh, well, come on. You know, they said there's going to be a trilogy of films. So why did you expect that this first film is going to be any good whatsoever? No, it's meant to be good because then it hooks you into the next film or whatever it is you want to watch.
2: What bollocks. They are the story. They've savaged, um, and I, again, I can only put it down to the youth or I guess naivety of some of their fans. I mean, youth and WWE fans, but you know, like they've absolutely savaged countless dream matches that don't yet exist because of situations like this. I agree with Cedric. Like, I want to echo his points about the quality of this match. It was absolutely terrific. These have got tremendous chemistry. They've had great matches in the past, like great matches in the past. Um, they work off each other so well. It, Charlotte player is, in one respect, the perfect base for Bianca Belair's strength. And then, yeah, going like for like, there's a real like ultimate challenge energy, the Hogan Warrior energy, the way these two wrestle, albeit for the modern way. So it's just far more exciting and there's far more that you can fit in a much like this. This wasn't. I don't want anyone to think this was like twenty-two boring minutes because it was totally the opposite. But the finish renders all those minutes pointless, if not boring. And there are going to be countless other matches like this where the quality of the wrestler or the quality of the pairing should theoretically be amazing. And a bunch of people are going to go, "Well, why should I care? Why should I care?" I am um, I did catch uh, Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, and I thought that was great too from SmackDown last week, mm. I thought it was really good too. And I was amazed that they delivered a finish. And you're thinking to yourself, right, have they actually understood, because of just how important television is, that you you cannot completely incinerate what remains of your loyal audience. You're going to give them a finish. The very next show, they go and do this. So yes, they have. Yes, they have done that. Like the, the Banks and Becky match immediately becomes the exception rule, mm. rather than anything that you can actually build off the back of. You can't use that as an example, because in the very next role, they deliver this finish, and it's at the end of the show as well. They've not thought, is this really the way that we want this episode to go off the air? Like, they don't care about that either. You're absolutely foolish if you think this... Like I love this wrestling war stuff, but you're mad if you think that WWE is going to get better as a result of it, because yeah. this is the WWE regardless. Yeah, a lot of bollocks. Did the Raw Women's Championship change hands? No, but no one lost
0: anything except Raw, which hopefully lost more viewers because they keep booking this tripe. Anyway, I need something to cheer me up. So join us this afternoon. We've got a fun NXT 2.0 preview coming your way. A load of games, basically. It's like the, the the being at school just before Christmas. We got the Tony D'Angelo predictor, and we got the Lash Legend predictor, and we got the New gimmick predictor coming your way. And I suppose we'll maybe talk about some other matches that have probably been advertised. If we've got time, we'll try and squeeze that in anyway. Tony
1: D'Angelo's in action.
0: Tony D'Angelo's gonna make someone sleep with the goddamn bitches again. Doesn't name just finish? Has he?
1: As far as I know. Nope. What? Black's wrestlers never the finishes these days. Malachi Black's not done it. No. Adam Cole. We still don't there. really know what
0: Adam it. I think is lowering the boom, but we don't read or hitting the boom or something. I well,
1: we don't know if it's what the fancy way that exc- whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll eat a I need my tea.
0: We have a dinner. Anyway, (laughs) let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WWE Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, and watch there, of course. Leave us a five star review on iTunes, just like Angus Grey Rats did, uh, and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful raw segment the nxt 2.0 preview coming your way later on today but for now this has been the raw review my thanks to the dadly boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon
1: planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more